Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 129, our Sunday worship service for August 18th, 2019, is community. It is the seventh and final in our series, Branching In. We are here to make a positive difference and to be a catalyst for healing. When we seize the opportunity to inspire, we are doing our jobs. So our scripture today, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. All you got to do is agree. Now that's a big deal. It's an interesting thing to say. In a world where we talk about the rugged individual, in a world where you're supposed to feel like this is me and my healing and my demonstration and my path and my relationship with God and my Sharona, whatever it is that you're looking for, (laughs) my stuff, thank you, in a world where it's just you and it's just all about me and my stuff and I'm getting what I want and I'm reading the right self-help books to help myself, We're being told that the key to getting what you want in prayer, the key to a life that works, the key to the thing happening, is to find agreement, is to work with other people. Well, that feels different, and that's important. Here's Jesus saying, okay, guys, you want to make this work? Agree. Why is that important? Why is that a big deal? It's not something that people talk about a lot. Why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to break it down. The basic idea here is, remember, we're talking about oneness, right? There's one presence and one power. In the universe in which we live, there is only God. No room for anything else. So think about it. If you want a life that works, and whatever that means for you, If you want a life that works, which path is going to make you get closer to that? Is it the case that it's going to work better if you're all on your own doing your own thing and the whole rest of the universe is happening over there somewhere? Or is your life going to work better where you step into a flow of a universe that knows how to take care of its own? If you want a life that works, be the kind of person who works for agreement. And that agreement starts in your own heart. Ask yourself, is it the case that I am at odds with myself? Is it the case that there are things I say and they don't really line up with things that I do? Do I pray about the sense of family and brotherhood and sisterhood and all of that good stuff on Sunday morning and then, ooh, but those people on the news, (laughs) that guy at work. If you can't find agreement in your heart, life ain't going to work so good. That's it. That's the deal. Find a way to be of one mind about something. I'm not saying you have to master every single moment, every single firing of every single neuron in your head, every single thing that goes through your heart, but find a place in your heart where you can be on the same page with yourself in some little way, and I promise you will start to build momentum. Find agreement. And use the momentum that you have there to find agreement in your world. Because here's the truth, boys and girls. We don't change the world in spite of anybody. We change the world with everybody. That's important. Someone will say it again. We don't change the world in spite of anybody. We change the world with everybody. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. He didn't say some people don't get in the lifeboat. Check your ticket. Everybody. So if we're going to make this work... 
We've got to have room for everybody. So let me break it down. There are no bad guys. That's kid stuff, and it's time to grow up. We are all literally in this together. So we're going to find ways to work for peace, to work for a world that works for each and every person in it. That's what's at stake. If you want a life that works, if you want to change the world, we change it with everybody. Nobody gets left behind. That's how this works. And changing the world is really what we're talking about. Because here's the thing. People come to me with all kinds of questions. And I love that. Oh, I can't tell you how proud and happy and tickled and just blown away I am by the fact that people say, hey, can you pray with me about a thing? It's what I was born to do. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I know that that's why I'm here. And so when someone comes to me with questions, someone comes to me with advice or just a prayer request, I am so honored by that. I don't even know what to say. And the questions that people have vary widely and wildly. The questions that people have are all over the place. The details are very different. How do I work out this thing with my love life? Or how do I figure out how to get a job? Or I'm working on a healing in my body. And all kinds of different things that people ask about. The details are very, very different. And important, I suppose. But on the other hand, you know, we've just spent the last few weeks talking about the idea that the details about you aren't what's important about you. Do you think God cares what color your socks are? Where you've been? What songs you like to listen to? Is that the thing that makes or breaks your relationship with spirit, the life that you have, the world that we make together? It ain't about those details. And we're going to be the kind of people who don't get hung up on those little differences that aren't important. So if the details aren't important, and the only thing that's different about the questions is the details, maybe we can boil it down and get to a question. What if there was just one big question, and if we found our own way to answer it, a lot of other stuff would start to unravel for us? What if there was a question? And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Now, there's a lot of strategies, and I think a lot of them are valid. I'm not saying this is the only way to attack this, but I have to tell you that it works for me, and I've been in the ministry all my life. And I can tell you for sure that this applies to every question I've ever been asked. No matter what the details are, the big question, as it seems to me, is this. Are you ready? How do I change the world? That's really the question. How do I change the world? Now, that seems like a big old question. People say, well, who the heck am I? But think about it. If you want to find a job, what you're really saying is, how do I change the world? And so it's more like a place where people get taken care of and I can find my purpose. If you want to fall in love, you're saying, how can I change the world where there's somebody in it for me? No matter what the little question feels like, how can I change the world where it's, it's one where I'm healthy? You know, whatever it is, the question has to do with the idea, how can I change the world? But you know that, don't you? When you really think about those private time questions, when it's just you and God, that's the question. How do I change the world? Think about it with me. There's a reason why when you're a little kid, and probably even now, I can speak for myself, the movies that I like are the movies where there's superheroes and people that are trying to what? Change the world. They're always saving somebody from something. Well, think about this. If you didn't have anything in common with the protagonist of a movie, it would just go right over your head. It wouldn't resonate with you. The reason that we run to those movies where something gets saved, something gets changed, the world gets changed, the reason that we gravitate to that is because it's our story. 
You are the hero of every one of those movies. Otherwise, it wouldn't make your heart sing. When the good guys win and the Death Star blows up or whatever, Spider-Man does the thing that Spider-Man does, whatever it is, there's a reason why you identify with the hero. And the reason is that you are the hero. This, boys and girls, is why you are here. We are here to change the world. And all you got to do to get on that journey is own it. Decide. You know what? That is why I'm here. And I don't know the answers to everything, but there's something I know. There's something I can do about it. Do that thing and do it now. Do that thing and do it today. You are here to change the world, and it starts by wanting the change. It starts by owning it. So I ask you, how will you change the world today? Like I said, it, it starts by owning it. It starts by acknowledging that you are where you are for a reason. So many people spend all their, their time trying to get to a place they aren't. I want to get to retirement. I want to get to a promotion. I want to get to the other side of some imaginary finish line that never really happens because when you get to a horizon, there's always another horizon. It's an illusion. That destination mentality is toxic. There's something beautiful about just owning. That's right. There's something beautiful about just owning where you are. And I don't know about you, but I learned that the hard way. I had big dreams as a kid, and I thought I was supposed to aim for some distant horizon, and I was really good at that aim and really bad at being present. I think I was a real pain in the neck or other parts of the anatomy that you don't say in church. And some of you know my story. Jenny and I met when we were very, very young, and we fell in love immediately. It was amazing. And it wasn't the big deal where the, the, the clouds part and the angels sing or anything. It was more like, oh, there you are. I've been waiting. Where have you been? That's how you know it's real, by the way. But we were young, and we were engaged, and we were just about to be married, and we were talking about wedding plans and figuring stuff out. And Jenny said, I want to have a meeting, and I figured it was about cake. Now listen, I like cake, but I don't care what flavor it is. <laughs> I did not want the meeting. And as she started to talk to me, I realized I really did not want the meeting. Because the meeting was this. Are you ready? It's a short meeting. I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. Dieter, you're going to be a dad. <laughs> that was the meeting. And I said, um, let's, uh, let's not affirm that. <laughs> you know the story. I said, no, let's not affirm that. You don't know that. We're not going to put that out into the universe. Come on, don't say that. You don't know. Maybe you have a stomachache. You don't know how this works. Like all of a sudden, I'm a doctor. You don't know your body, but I can tell you for sure because I'm the man. Or I don't know what I was thinking. All I was thinking is, no. <laughs> and it's not that I didn't want to be a dad. I mean, we knew that that's what we wanted. We dreamed about this family. And I got to tell you, some of it was, you know what? We're going to do it different than what we have seen because some of the stuff we have seen, not so great. We're excited about it and, and in love with the idea. And I knew who I wanted to be with for the rest of forever, so no problem there. But I was so scared that I wouldn't be good enough, that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be done cooking enough to be a dad. But you know what? There's no done. God is not just infinite, but infinity. And that means that there is no done. You're never ready enough to quit doing your thing and start doing your dream. You're never ready enough. Just be ready. Start doing the thing now. Why wait? Because what your heart is yearning for is something the world is yearning for. Stop waiting. There's no done. 
But at the moment, I was in deep denial. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But so we went to the doctor, and the doctor put smuckers on my wife's belly, whatever that is. And there it is. You've heard me talk about it before. If you know me, there's the TV screen, and there's this little bean, this legume with a heartbeat. And you know what I said? That's not supposed to be there. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to think about it. I said, that's not supposed to be there. And in a moment when you should have been vulnerable and scared, you were a rock. And I was all over the place. And I realized that, you know what? What's my deal? What's my problem? This is what I wanted. So what if it's not how I thought it was going to go? Who the heck cares about that? What do I know? What if God has got a bigger idea? What if I'm here because I'm here? Life changes when you own where you are, is my point. And we went through all the stuff, and I think I grew up a little bit in the process. Not all the way, but a little bit. We got all the way to the other end of that pregnancy time, and the night before, all of a sudden there was an emergency, and Jenny had to have a C-section. Imagine the person you love as a pinata. And it, that was close to my feeling about how scared I was about the whole thing and the whole thing. That's one way to look at it, huh? Didn't know I was going to say that until I said it. But on the way to the hospital, because this was an emergency situation and there's a reason why we got to get this kid out and stuff is going on, big deal. Jenny said, look, they're going to they're gonna do this operation on me and I'm going to be strapped down. There's nothing you can do for me. I need you to go be with the baby. Now, I didn't know anything about it. All I knew is from the movies that they deliver the baby and then they take the kid away. And then I guess they bring it back when it's ready for college. I don't know what happens in between there. But you're not part of that process. That's not how it goes on any television show I've ever seen. But okay. I thought it's the least I could do. You're doing all the work. All I do is stand there. I barely got my scrubs on correctly. But they did the thing, and you were amazing, and there's this beautiful baby, and they put the baby in my arms and all of that. And they said, okay, now we have to take her away. And I said, no. <laughs> they said, no, this is how this works. And I said, no, I'm coming with you. I promise I won't be in your way, but I'm not leaving this kid's side. I made a promise. And I walked into the, the exam room where they do all the stuff. They ask the kid, you know, what their preferences are. I don't know what they, what they asked the kid. I was too busy looking at this amazing little being. And they said, you're not supposed to be here. And I thought, wow. <laughs> all, I went all the way back to looking at that screen and realizing that you're here. Here's the big message. Are you ready? You're here because you're here. Better to start owning it. Let's be the kind of people that stand up for wherever it is that we are because you can't get where you're going until you know where you are. Imagine a beautiful map of all kinds of destinations, but you don't know where you are on the map. You can't get where you need to go until you know where you are. Own it. So let's be the kind of people that, you know what, people have problems. People have stuff that they're chewing on. We're not going to be the kind of people that pretend like we don't have any growing to do. Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're lonely. Sometimes we need some fixing. Own it. It's the only way to get it fixed. We're not going to be in denial about where we are anymore. And so if we're going to own up to the fact that we've got some growing to do, let's talk about the idea that just like maybe there's only one big question, how do I change the world? Maybe there's only one big problem. And the details can come and go, but all of the people over all of my years of ministry that have talked to me about a problem, it seems to me that there really is only one problem, and that problem is fear. People are afraid. 
They're afraid they're not going to get what they want. They're afraid their body's not going to work right. They're afraid they're not going to fall in love. They're afraid they're going to lose their job. They're afraid of money running out. They're afraid of a whatever it is. People act angry and ugly because they're afraid. People do dumb things because they're scared. They're scared of being alone, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter why. But over and over again, there's this fear idea. And it's such a, an amazing thing when you think about it, because if we go a little bit deeper into it, fear is the idea of separation. Fear is the idea of being alone and being apart from your good, right? Fear is the idea that there's good and all this beautiful stuff over here, and here I am watching from outside like the graduate or something. Oh, pretty good. Well, literary. I like that one. Usually I do Spider-Man stuff, so that's pretty good. But fear is the idea that all the good stuff is over there and I am isolated from it. But think about it. Fear is separation, but we just said that there's only one presence and one power. There's just God. And so what I'm trying to tell you is the one thing you're afraid of can never happen. You are afraid that, that your life is going to run out, but you and I both know that life is forever. And that's a mighty long time. You're afraid you're going to run out of money, but you know what? They print more every day. And in fact, the more you're afraid and try to hang on to something, the more that feeling of separation feels real to you because you block the flow. Fear is the problem. Fear of being alone, but you can't be alone. And so what I'm trying to tell you is the worst thing in the world, that fear thing, it's just a feeling. That's all it is. I'm not telling you not to feel your feelings, but understand that's all it can ever be. It's like when you get strapped into a roller coaster and it feels like, you know what, we're going to die. <laughs> and your friend goes, no, we're strapped in and Disney's not going to handle a lawsuit like that. They've double-checked everything. You're going to be okay. You know what I mean? You know you're not. It's just a feeling. But part of the fun, if you're a roller coaster kind of person, part of the fun is letting yourself feel the feeling. What I'm trying to say is be where you are because it can tell you where you want to go. Own it. Stop being in denial about it. Don't Mr. Spock your way through life. Feel your feelings. You can't get where you want to go until you know where you are. So here's what I'm really trying to ask you. How will you change the world? Where are you going? And part of the way that you get where you want to go is by asking for help. You know that? Step one, own it. Step two, ask for help. Crazy, right? Because like I said, we're supposed to be alone in all of this. Nobody's supposed to ask anybody for help. Being a big boy means that nobody helps me and I do everything on my own. And that's mature, right? You know who says, I do it all myself? You know who says, I'm the one that opens the door, I'm the one that does it, I will not take any advice or any help from anybody? You know who says that? Three-year-olds. Me do it. My crayons, whatever. It is a childish point of view. When the most mature thing in the world is to say, you know what, I'm teachable. My ego isn't wrapped up in knowing everything. If you show me where there's room in my life, then I can grow and I'm good with that. That's a grown-up. Ask for help. And you and I both know there are people who love you and want to help you. There are people in this room you don't even know yet who are cheering you on. When you ask for help, it says more about you. What it says is I'm open and I'm finally ready. I've gotten over myself. So here's what I'm really trying to tell you. Ask for help from the people who love you. But be the kind of person who can ask for help from God. 
Here's the deal. God already loves you. You don't have to beseech God to show up in your life any more than you need to beg the sun to shine. God already loves you. You are already in. But if you can be the kind of person that says, okay, God, I don't know. Help me. What you're really saying is, you know what, God? I'm open to the idea that my answers don't come from my ego. I'm open to the idea that there's something bigger than me that can fix this. I'm open. That first line in scripture that we read today is if you can agree on a thing, it'll happen for you. And the next line is wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Let's think about it. How would you behave if you knew that one of your heroes was coming over for dinner? <laughs> if Gandhi was going to show up or Harriet Tubman or Albert Einstein or Vin Diesel or whoever it is that really, <laughs> hopefully not that. But anyway... Maybe you'd, you'd watch your vocabulary. Maybe you'd be open to some guidance. Maybe you just want to hear what they have to say. How would you be? Maybe you'd be a little bit closer to your best self. Well, what if Jesus is here? What if the idea of the Christ, that whole presence of spirit is already here? What if God is listening? Maybe it's time to model what I want the world to look like. You want to change the world. You have to look like it. You have to model it. So I ask you, how will you change the world? This book is about branching in the idea of looking past appearances, of digging down and finding the truth behind the facts. One of the lines in the book that I like so much is we can cause outer change by getting in touch with inner permanence. There's a part of you that does not change. There is love and beauty and truth and spirit in you that is immune to all of the changing vicissitudes. Good word. All the changing vicissitudes of life. There's a part of you that doesn't change. Find it. Share it with somebody. It starts in you. That's the big deal, boys and girls. Because here's a story I wanted to tell you real quick. I am the child and the grandchild of ministers. I have grown up in church. I've been part of church my whole life. I started seminary early. I've been on the road speaking at different churches, serving at different churches. This is all I ever wanted. I've got journals from when I was 12 years old where most people are drawing pictures of Spider-Man or, I don't know, girls or whatever. I'm drawing pictures of what I think a building, church building ought to look like and writing out what I think the board of directors ought to be structured. Real fun kid. Anyway... <laughs> But here's what I think the order of service should be. And here's this and that and the other. And some of those ideas are goofy. I'll own that. And some of them we're still figuring out now. And everywhere in between. But what I'm trying to tell you is I wanted it. And I messed up a lot. And I had the wrong idea a lot. But I had some good ideas too. And as we were writing this book, we were at the tail end of serving at a church that we'd served at our whole lives. A church where we met. And you know how it is. When you're in a place and your heart tells you one thing, but the way that things are is different, things can fester. And we had this idea that, you know what, this is how this should go, and this is how this should go. And let me be very clear, the people who ran that church had every right to do it the way they wanted. They'd earned that. But it was their right. It wasn't right for me. And I didn't know what to do because I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know what to do, so we just walked around hating it. <laughs> walked around festering. Well, if I had my way. And we started to go, well, you know what? If Once this person leaves and I get to be in charge, I'm gonna, I don't like that painting there, and I don't like the rug, and I don't like the order of service, and I don't like this, and I don't like that. That's not good. When people are coming to a place and they just want healing, we walk around mentally redecorating. 
And I had such anger in me. And I didn't know why because I was too dumb to think about what needed to happen. And my wife said, you know, can you imagine a situation where there's a big family gathering and there's the patriarch of the family and they're, they're old and they've had this whole family and they have this big house and all of the kids and grandkids and aunts and uncles just wander around mentally redecorating and going, well, once grandpa kicks off, we're going to sell all this. It's creepy, right? And I said to my wife, yeah, that's creepy. And she said, that's what you're doing. I'd spent all this time waiting for somebody else to get out of the way, but what I realized is that I needed to get out of the way. What you're thinking about and dreaming about is you. There's something that you feel like the world needs to do. Oh, if these people would just, you need to do it. Find a way to do it. And what's amazing is the last line of the last chapter of that book, you know what it is? The last line of the last chapter, the community chapter, is God is good, you're good, go do good. We didn't know it then, because it was over a year later before we started this church. But what I'm trying to tell you is you already have the tools to make your dream happen. They've been calling you. But the best dreams are the dreams that we dream together. And together in this place, there is life like I've never seen. There is love and support like I've never seen. When you just stand up and agree on something, everything can change. So today... Let's agree on freedom, because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.